0: Welcome to the referral. I'm Dr. Curran. I'm a surgeon in the NHS. And this podcast is your one stop shop for all things science, medicine and health. And we provide evidence based tips on how to improve your life. And today's guest is a singer, songwriter, producer. He's a world famous artist. He's worked with the likes of Kanye West, Jay Z, Drake. It is Mr. Hudson. He's currently stopping in the UK before he heads back to LA, and we're going to be talking about his rise in fame in the music
1: industry, and I'm going to be bringing a bit of science to it as well. Have lots of achievable goals, and then if something crazy happens, enjoy it. This is why there isn't such a thing as an overnight success. I want to feel young. I want to feel forever young at 80. Why not? And a bit later in the show, I'll be answering
0: your questions on crowd science. And if you've got your own question, you want to get featured on the show, get in touch via referralpod.com. And if you love my deep dives into all of your questions, you can get even more on the Referral Plus, so if you subscribe to that, you get this episode and all the others completely ad-free. Just visit the Referral Show page on Apple Podcasts and hit the Try Free button at the top of the page to begin your free trial today. Ben
1: Hudson Mm. McAldovey, have I got that right? No, but we can keep it moving. McAldooey. McAldooey? I found out during lockdown where the name comes from. It's a tiny island in the middle of Loch Earn. Okay. and our ancestors lived on this island. And we're talking Game of Thrones era, 400, 500 years ago, okay? We're going way back. And they live on this island and they were kind of naughty boys. Mm. One day they go out onto the mainland and they come across another tribe and they rob them They take all their stuff, their kilts, their swords, their sporans, their whiskey, whatever Scottish people had at that point, which probably wasn't very much, their porridge. They go back to their little island, have a party, get drunk, fall asleep in the middle of the night The other family, daggers between their teeth, swim out in the dark to the little island and they kill everybody on the island. Apart from one little boy, very young boy, I guess it's respect to the ancestors that you don't wipe out the bloodline. You keep one boy and they take him with them and they keep it moving and they name him Ildui because he had dark hair, the dark haired boy. They raise him up. And he survived long enough to have kids, so they were called Mac Illdewey, and that's where right. the name comes from.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Now, in 2006, I guess, is when you first blew up, as it were, with Mr. Hudson and the Library, your band. And it was around 2008, nine, when I started listening to you. I was in Tiger Tiger nightclub in London. I was a medical student. I remember then. it. Yeah, good times and bad times. The Thinking Man's All Bar One. Yeah, yeah. And like a spicy All Bar One. Yeah, you could say that. And I remember Forever Young started playing. And it was obviously that's the song with Jay-Z on the blueprint. And I was thinking, wow, this is really like resonating with me at the time. And you had a solo career, mm. and then you were snapped up by Kanye West's,
1: mm. you know, record label, Good Music. How was all of that for you just that rise? It's funny, isn't it? Because from the outside, it seems like it's happening in jerks. But when you're on, do you know what I mean? It's almost like notches, it's not an overnight thing. But it looks like it from yeah. a distance. It looks like there are these sort of abrupt changes, like all of a sudden, oh, you're there and this has happened. But when it's happening to you, it's kind of very incremental and slow, yeah. a bit like the frog in the, the water, you know, if you, if you throw a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. Yes. If you bring it to the boil, it doesn't jump out. Yeah. I was definitely the latter, you know, things just day by day got wilder and wilder to the point where I was just like, am I in a film about a boy from Birmingham who ends up in Hawaii making music with Jay-Z, etc." you know? That's incredible. You wouldn't put money on it. It's kind of stranger than fiction. Somebody commented on my social media when I told the story of ending up in Hawaii and some of the twists and turns. And I just told a little bit of the story of that like summer of 2008. And somebody commented, this sounds like a fever dream. Something that you would make up.
0: So I think I saw that video. I think uh, that was when I saw you on TikTok for the first time. I was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Hudson. And I guess I wanted to ask... When you reach that level of fame and stardom, when you're surrounded by your idols or the biggest names in the music industry,
1: Kanye West, Jay-Z, Rihanna, was Nicki Minaj there as well? She wasn't in those sessions. She worked on my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. She has a feature, but I wasn't there at the same time. So there was kind of a a revolving door of different artists. artists. And some people would kind of phone in their bits, so they'd do it from a distance in their studio. Yeah. So, for example, on 808s and Heartbreak, Lil Wayne's on the record. I didn't meet him, right? but I did meet Young Jeezy and so on. <laughs> yeah. um, some people would have to phone their work in. I mean, Forever Young, Jay and I made the record without meeting. Wow. Yeah. The track and my vocal were recorded one humid night, Friday night in Hawaii, and I was leaving the next morning. And it was really like the 11th hour, just for a bit of fun. We made the song and then it was sent to Jay. We went to the club. I'm dancing to Amelie, Amelie, Amelie. Yeah, you Remember yeah. that song? And having a couple of tequilas. And then I went straight to the airport. I fly back to London. It's a 21-hour journey Oof, rough. via the West Coast. Get back to London. Went to the movies. You know when you've been traveling, you don't really want to go home? Yeah, Never you had want that. to extend that holiday. Exactly. You don't unpack your bags and I'm kind of on a high. I go to the movies, watch The Dark Knight, leave the movie theater, go home. I realize I've left my BlackBerry in the cinema. I have to go back, turn it on. It says, come back to the States. So I get on the next plane back to LA. That's how mad it was. And
0: when you are surrounded by these stars and you have some acknowledgement from them and you're co-signed from them saying, yeah, this is a great song or what you're doing is great. And you have best selling records and you're in the, you know, the top UK charts and worldwide charts. It's not the same what I experienced. But for example, if I make a YouTube video that does really well mm. and I, you know, get some acknowledgement from my audience who listen, I feel a certain pressure that my next video and the next one after that has to consistently be good. Or even in surgery, if I do a surgery very well, I can't predict how the next one will go because it depends on the anatomy of the patient, sure. but I want it to be better. Sure. What, how do you deal with that pressure of constant audience praise and upping
1: the game each time? What does that do to you and how do you deal with it? I think sometimes it's a mistake to have one goal that is very far off mm. and very hard to get to. I'm going to get the ring into the fire of Mordor <laughs> or I'm going to get a hole in one the first time I hit a golf ball. What's more realistic is to say I want to get around the course without embarrassing myself. I was picking the low-hanging fruit. yeah. So I'd already achieved my goals. And to even be there in the States working with A-list rappers and singers and producers and engineers was already well beyond my dreams. So I was like, cool, let's see what happens. I think I read Kanye West
0: once was quoted saying... Missed everything I hear from Mr. Hudson's a smash. He has the potential to be a bigger artist than me and the most important artist of the generation. So when someone thrusts upon accolades like that on you, is that not external
1: pressure? Only if you take it literally. Yeah. I mean, if I said, I love this guy, I did his podcast, he's going to find the cure for cancer. You could be like, Yeah, but statistically speaking, it's not going to be me. And if it is, it'll be as part of a team. Yeah. Okay. So somebody can can put this crazy goal in front of you, you don't have to accept it. Mm. You don't have to take the ring to Mordor, I wouldn't. I'd be like, you take it. Do you know what I mean? You're a big Lord of the Rings fan. My dad used to read Lord of the Rings to us to get to sleep. Being younger, I would always fall asleep halfway through, so I only know the first half of each chapter.
0: Hello, listeners of The Referral. It's me, Dr. Curran. Are you tired of scouring the internet for medical answers only to end up on shady websites? Is your For You page full of TikTok experts pushing miracle weight loss drugs and superfoods? There's so many myths and nonsensical health advice out there on the internet. But on our weekly crowd science episodes, I'm helping real listeners like you get the truth. Subscribe to the Referral Plus, and you'll get access to additional crowd science episodes every week devoted entirely to answering your questions. Plus, as an added bonus, you'll enjoy ad-free listening of all our episodes. You can even try it for free. Just head over to the Referral Show page on Apple Podcasts and click on the Try Free button at the top of the page to start listening today. Have a question of your own? Visit thereferralpod.com and submit it. There is no question too weird or too awkward for me. So what are you waiting for? Don't let the internet deceive you. Subscribe now to The Referral Plus and start getting answers today. I'm Nick Friedman. When you were growing up, was music from, you know, the first time you could remember a huge part of you? And was that
1: pushed to, onto you by your parents or by yourself? I didn't feel a lot of pressure. Maybe that's why later on in life, I didn't acknowledge any like outside pressure. So I grew up in Birmingham mm. and I grew up in Hansworth Wood. I don't know if you know, familiar with that neighborhood. Oh, one, two, one, baby. And for me to get to London was success. Okay. For me to get a record deal was success. For me to go on tour and open up for Amy Winehouse was success. For me to open up for the police. My mum was a big fan of Sting and the police. That's success. For me to do Jules Holland, that's success. So when this crazy American stuff happened, I was already like, I've done it. done it, made it. I just didn't want to get a real job. If I'm really honest with you, like huge respect to everybody who does the nine to five thing but I knew it wasn't for me. So that was really my sole goal. And I know, I know it takes privilege to yeah, be able yeah. to have social mobility and so on to be able to escape that. But I, I couldn't do it. School gave me enough of an idea of what that was going to be like. So I think I wasn't built for it. Some people are. And I think that's the healthiest way is like have lots of achievable goals. And then if something crazy happens, enjoy it. Mm. Otherwise, it's all going to be a little stressful, isn't it?
0: I think it's very easy to, like you said, have that, you know, insurmountable goal that you feel is overarching. Like, you know, you need to get to the top of that peak. Whereas probably the easier thing is to get to each point in the mountain and reassess what your next target is. I mean, same for me. When I first started in surgery, I saw some of my seniors doing, you know, a bowel cancer operation. And I thought, holy crap, I don't think I could ever do that. But then I closed the skin. And then the next step was dissecting a bit of that, learning the anatomy and then joining the two bits of bowel together, doing different parts of the operation. And then eventually after many years, putting all the parts together and be like, actually, this is pretty okay now. And how long did you train for? Oh, uh, I mean, 10 years. There you go. So it's it's a lot of work that goes into You've it. You've more than done your ten thousand hours.
1: You've done like a hundred thousand hours.
0: It's lot, and it's it's more ten thousand hours replaying it in your head as well,
1: not just the practically yeah, doing, dreaming it. about it. And if you came into a, into the studio, you'd be like, I don't know how to make a record. But mm. but similarly to your practice of surgery, everything we do is lots of simple steps in sequence, and you know it's familiarizing yourself with basically what all the buttons in the studio do and all the software, and you just learn them one by one. Um, Same in the gym, you know, same with anything. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying that if you break something down into the small achievable steps, this is why there isn't such a thing as an overnight success. Mm. If if I went in for an operation and you said, yeah, I just figured out over the weekend that this is really something I wanted to, to get into, and you're my first... You know, I've read some YouTube videos. Yeah. I'd be like, "Get this man away!" Dude, from me. Yeah, I have
0: actually looked up stuff on YouTube before operating on patients, but that's not because I didn't know what I was doing. And actually, I don't think that should be something to be embarrassed about. Okay, right? Because because it sounds terrifying. It, <laughs> it sounds terrifying, <laughs> and I'd never say that to a patient. But actually, You'd never say that on the internet. I de- well, I just have this will go on the internet. Um, like, listen, your process, creative process. Like for me, you know, I. I I guess there's a lot of it might sound weird, but there's a lot of similarities between any craft, really, whether it's surgery or music. And before I do an operation, I prepare it mentally in my head. Uh, You know, I I like to actually listen to music before I step into the operating room. And I've even got an operating room playlist that keeps me in the zone. What do you do as a creative process to kind of get into the mood of creating something new? Like you can't just be like, I'm going to make a new song today. Boom. Like what's the fire for you?
1: I get really inspired by a combination of listening to new music that I, things I feel I haven't heard before okay. that it, that excite me. So something avant-garde. It could be the production, could be the lyrics, could be something harmonic. It could be a blend of two genres. I also I'm always listening to very old music, stuff from like the 40s, 50s, to kind of listen to music that doesn't have any technology in it. Oh, yeah. No computers were involved. <clears throat> okay. No drum machines. No AI. No AI and often like not even any amps, just like one microphone in a room with a bunch of people who perform just one take and that's it. So I love listening to like the Ink Spots and Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra and stuff. So yeah, I like to listen to really new stuff or really old stuff. I don't really mess with the middle (laughs) very much. The other thing I do before I go to the studio is I don't listen to music. So I might... Say we've got a session on Monday right, afternoon. Yeah. I will listen to music over the weekend, but Monday morning I want to keep my ears fresh. So I'll go to the gym, I'll go for lunch, shower and shave, and then the ears are kind of not tired. It's like so sort of, of smelling coffee before you smell the next perfumer. Uh, right. Uh, reset the slate. So if you have, bring an idea to me, I'm hearing it with fresh ears, and if you play, sit down at the piano, I'm like, okay, beautiful, I'm as receptive as possible. So that would be my tip is like, digest a lot of stuff that's gonna inspire you and then take a break. If you do that just before going into the studio, just before trying to write, even at home, it's still gonna be ringing in your ears. And if you're not careful, you'll just play what you heard. But I love that kind of, almost like a fast. Yeah, So you digest all this wonderful music for a couple of days take the morning off and go in. I feel that whenever I'm trying to be
0: creative, there's there's a couple of things that help me, whether it was revising for something or coming up with a new video idea or just doing some anything creative, there's two things. One is obviously my most creative moment. And when that creative tap is just flowing is when I'm doing the most banal mundane things, whether it is literally walking my dog, driving into work, taking the train in, You know, it's when your mind wanders and that is when your creativity is at its peak and that's when I kind of jot down ideas. And secondly, it's when I'm trying to create something, I take in little breaks because I don't think most humans and their brains can focus for more than maybe 20 minutes at peak Mm -hmm. intensity, maybe 45, Mm -hmm. but you have to bake in some breaks there because when I was in medical school even, the lectures would go on for two hours. And that's what, who fall asleep and I actually stopped going to lectures in medical school because of that. Because it was too long and I couldn't focus. Is what, what do you do when you're in a studio session trying to crank out this before a deadline? Mm. How do you... Get your, maximize your creativity.
1: Well, there are two approaches. One is the just get it done. And if that means working for 12 hours on one song, even though you're starting to hate Ooh. it, then that's the just get it done because there's a deadline. But that doesn't have to happen very often. I like to take, I think breaks are so crucial for the fresh ear thing that we were talking about. You can't work on music seven days a week. For people who are really trying to get their hustle on in the music business, I always say, do have that one rest ache. It doesn't have to be, like saturday or sunday it could be you could take wednesdays off it doesn't matter but have one day when you don't do music and you don't talk about music mm. you just go and do something else but i'm a big fan of work for 25 minutes take five minutes off i'm a big fan of work for 50 minutes take 10 minutes off i talked about it on tiktok that the idea of like say we have eight hours in the studio we'll we'll set our timer for an hour and we'll do a new idea every hour for like four or five hours then we'll you know, literally leave the studio and get some dinner, come back an hour later, listen to the four or five ideas, which is your favorite. Then we work on that for two hours and then we go home. Very similar to what you just described.
0: I also have weird shift patterns like you'd work for 12 hours working to some sort of deadline. So you are a shift worker in many senses of the word. In addition to that, you know, with your travel schedule as well, you're crossing time zones, all these sort of things. So, you know, your your body is really put to the ringer in terms of keeping to a schedule. And that comes to diet, exercise, sleep, your state of mind. How do you regulate and stabilize that
1: basically as a pseudo shift worker? Well, I think routines really helpful. It doesn't sound very rock and roll, but mm-hmm. structure is so, so useful for me personally. Now, yes, there'll be things that disrupt that structure. Mm. So it, we've got a travel day. We've got to get to the States or something. But as soon as possible, I get back onto the very simple structure. And I'm, I'm so lucky that this is my life, which is get up, coffee, breakfast, call my mother, gym, second breakfast, shower, shave, studio, dinner, Netflix, chill oh repeat now wow. jet lag might disrupt that a travel day might disrupt that but you know disrupt. i'm heading out to la in a week and I'm, i'll give myself 2 days to get back onto that yeah because that's what keeps me sane and and healthy so healthy in body and mind is yeah. is having that structure because then i know i'm healthy in terms of the the, the most dangerous thing for me is this sitting down yeah cuz there's so much sitting down involved in music yeah so this is like when, when people say, hey, I'm, I'm setting up a new studio, what, what should I invest in? A really good microphone, really good speakers? I'm like, no, get a really good chair. And it's such a lame suggestion, but if you have a comfortable chair, you're not gonna get sciatica, you're not gonna get back problems, your posture's good, you're going to be able to work longer hours. I know that sounds so boring, yeah. but you see a lot of people haven't, get, they're like, oh, I just gotta, I'm gonna. They think that they're not excited by the music anymore, but actually their body's saying, we need to go and do something different. So I go to the gym and really these days I'm focusing more on mobility than mm. anything else, because that's so important if you want to stay forever young. No. um, I, saw, I, saw I might a, do a Forever Young workout. What do you reckon? I, I could do
0: it because I saw a video. Should
1: we do a Forever Young workout right
0: now? I'm going <laughs> a music a remix re, re, re music video for that.
1: Um, we could do a DVD. <laughs> it's going to be great.
0: You know, a few years ago, when I was still in medical school, I got this voucher to go to yoga. Six sessions, 30 pounds. I took my mate, Gilby, who was in medical school with me, uh, and I said, hey, let's you know just go to these sessions and i just sweat out buckets mm. you know into this studio and i felt so mobile afterwards do you do any yoga that's quite you know in vogue in la is that
1: when i so i moved out to la in 2015 yeah um thinking that was you know i was going to bump into sofia Vergara and you know Etsy life get maybe. my green card and have kids <laughs> and just set up a new life there and drive around in a tesla or whatever and most of that came true no (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) so i moved to la in 2015 and i just thought when in rome i embraced all the cliches so i'm i'm buying a ten dollar juice every morning with turmeric in it and things i don't i've never heard of before i'm doing crossfit i'm doing yoga i'm driving an electric car i'm eating plant-based and i even took an acting class Wow. Which I recommend to everybody. Whatever line of work you're in, an acting class, I really recommend it. And when you were in L.A., touch wood, I think it's possibly going to add five or ten years to my life for the lifestyle changes I made while I was out there. Okay,
0: yeah. And what are the factors that you mentioned? You mentioned living in L.A. and the habits you picked up there, maybe added a decade to your life, your career.
1: What are the habits? Touch wood, touch wood of those things um my dad was 78 when he passed and that wasn't because you know he had a good innings it wasn't because um he'd abused his body or anything he had motor neuron disease which correct me if i'm wrong is just bad luck Horrible stuff, um but yeah. when he passed the silver lining to him to, to my dad's death because i'm old-fashioned and you know i don't like euphemisms around around death but it kind of gave me a kick in the ass and i was like Hang on, I want to be a healthy old man. Like, yeah. that is going to happen. I want to feel young. I want to feel forever young at 80. Why not? So, I kind of, 2015, 2016, I moved out to LA and I started, I wouldn't say studying, but just really tuning into that, the whole conversation, the broader conversation yeah. of looking after yourself, which we did not do in the music business in the 2000s. Yes. We didn't do that. It wasn't a thing. It was probably, you know, who went to a gym in the 2000s? Yeah. I, think, I think we probably have social media to thank for Brits going to the gym. Like, obviously, people who were into sport went to the gym. Yeah. But my, my peers in the 2000s, I don't remember anyone saying the word gym between 2000 and 2010.
0: I feel it was, uh, personally, I think it was Jersey Shore that got everyone to the gym.
1: You know, GTL, Gym Tan, Laundry. I'm familiar with the phrase, uh, will you believe me when I say I've never watched the Jersey Shore? I'm familiar with the haircuts, Uh, iconic haircuts. Slow out, Paulie D. Paulie D. Yeah, DJ Paulie D. Shout out Paulie D. So for people who weren't there, Camden in the 2000s, it's almost like they gave you a pint and a cigarette when you stepped off the tube. Do you know what I mean? No one had any gains. I'd never heard the word gains. We were just in skinny jeans, wandering around. You know, it was not a healthy environment. Yeah, and I think people started kind of, you know, around 2010, a little before, to be honest, you got this new kind of pop star who was looking after themselves and being explicit about it. So whether that's Ellie Goulding or Calvin Harris or Ed Sheeran, people saying, do you know what, I don't drink. I have these goals. I mean, I'm too busy. Like, why would I wanna slow myself down? They're like, I'm not gonna drink till I've finished my album, or I've got this tour coming up, I don't wanna drink. Mm. I'd never heard that before until about 2009. In 2023, where we've
0: got AI, social media, how have those two things completely changed the landscape of music compared to 2006
1: when you first blew up? It's a completely different industry. So it's kind of done on 180. Mm. We would play and play. We would play live every night if we could. So open mic nights, clubs, pubs, try and get on tour, opening up for an act that already had a thing going you'd be in the back of a transit van you know really like very basic conditions and environment not super healthy yeah but you tour and tour and tour play shows be out in the real world right mm-hmm. handing out flyers maybe giving cds to people and you'd be outside other people's shows trying to steal their fans by giving them flyers and if you spotted a, a dj or something a Radio 1 DJ at the show, they've got to have a CD, right? So you'd play until, you, until the gatekeepers said, you're good, we're going to sign you or we're going to give you a, a demo budget to go into the studio and record. And you're like, okay, now we've got a foot in the door. And if that goes well, because pub- in the old days, publishing companies as well would say, I'm going to chance a couple of grand on these kids and okay. see what they come up with if they go into a recording studio, right? And if that goes well... You get to make an album and then they promote it and you go back out on tour and hopefully people buy the physical thing in their millions and then you get your house on the hill. So that was, the, that was broadly speaking the plot. And you do an album every two years, right? So you would spend a few months in the studio and you get out on tour. If it goes well, you've got like an 18-month touring promo cycle, you make another album, do it again. And if you're lucky, you get to do that several times. Sadly, a lot of bands would make the album and they wouldn't even come out. Right. Because they'd be like, yeah, no, nah, it sounds good, but whatever. What I'm getting at is that it's done on 180. So now instead of playing until you get the chance to go into a studio and make a record, you now make records until you get a chance to go see, on tour. No one gets to go on tour until they've had a hit. Okay, I get what and you. And they mean. have a hit by blowing up on social media. Yeah. And now the lab- labels are still in the middle. And They're the looking at components. how many
0: followers you have, how many views you have,
1: your rather metrics, than just right? your, your optics, yeah. your metrics, all of these algorithmic words that, you know... Um, like Lil Nas X, for example, yeah, he's I, blown up purely from social media. Right. You know, it's funny. I have mixed feelings about social media. I feel like social media is a little bit like vapes. We never asked for them, but they're addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. I remember when Twitter came out. I was like, we don't need this. Why do I want to text the S- internet? Said Mr. Hudson as he was tweeting this. Why? I wasn't tweeting that. Oh, were you not? You're not on Twitter? I remember the moment when we... It was probably 2008, and this guy, lovely guy was brought in to explain to us that we needed to do this social media. And, we, you know, I was familiar with Facebook, and we, we kind of used MySpace to help us blow up. And for me, social media was having an email mailing list. That was enough. And I remember thinking when, Twitter came, when we were being told about Twitter, and it was very early, I was like, yeah, we don't need this. Not so much as a, as a band or to promote our music, because I kind of got that, but I almost felt like humanity didn't need this. Like, haven't we got enough noise already? And now here we are, where like Twitter is just one of a whole ecosystem of things that, that we have to tend to, you know?
0: I feel in my perspective, like it's slightly different in terms of social media, because I often tell people, say, in an average clinic, I could see in three hours, 15, 16 people. And that's me working pretty fast and assuming mm. everyone is, you know, quick to be seen. But On social media, if I make a video about bowel habits and optimal bowel routines, and that video gets 5 million views, even if a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people see that video and take something away from it, say 100 people out of the 5 million, then I've done more in that 60 seconds than I have in a three-hour clinic potentially. Yeah. So for me, the metrics and the law of very large numbers and social media makes sense to improve population
1: health on a national, maybe global level. You're doing good. You're doing good. Some people aren't, and some people are just adding to the noise. I think just my caveat would be that was my initial feeling. And then I I wonder whether now social media is finally, after almost 15 years, becoming kind of what it is. Needed to be. to be, yeah. So, is it always going to be about the music? What's the future for Mr. Hudson? Music's kind of all, all I know. I mean, I'd love to open a vegan restaurant in in Hackney. Yeah. Um, I'll come to it. And I always had this daydream about getting into acting, but boy, that's tough. When I was in LA, I actually went to acting classes and it was so helpful. Funnily enough, not for my acting career, but for my music career. I went back to the studio with all of these new ideas of, of creative process of like simple things like, have you heard of Yes And? Yes And. So when you're doing improv, say we've got to make up a scene and we're given like, you know, two guys standing at the bus stop in the rain, go you know, and I'm, I'm like pretending to hold an umbrella. I'm like, oh, it's raining cats and dogs. And you say, no, it's a beautiful day. I mean, it hasn't rained for, for weeks. That's no, and you haven't anded. Oh. So what you've got to do is like, you've got to say yes. And it's bloody freezing, isn't it? I wish I'd brought my-, my To continue the I wish I'd worn a couple of layers. So yeah. you're basically saying yes and this. And to take that from improv in acting classes to songwriting is great because then if someone throws me a curveball or they say, so they suggest something that I don't agree with, rather than saying, nah, don't know if I like that, mm. I don't know. Which is kind of, it's, it's dead. Constructive the feedback. feedback. You're like, yeah, that is a brilliant idea, but you know what, we can also do this. And you, so you divert the energy. It's like the positive sandwich, positive critical sandwich, where you give heard them it heard some, it called something else. It's called a shit sandwich, you not I mean, <laughs> heard that one. Oh, well, not in that sense of the word. Um, yeah, good news, bad news, good news. Yeah great to see you, you're fired. Can you still make lunch at the weekend? (laughs) The family can't wait to meet you. It works in in our process as well. So you you come out the vocal booth, you've sung your heart out. And I'm like, that was brilliant. Mm. Hair standing up on my arm. Like, I can't wait for people to hear this song. Could we try it again? a key oh, down and sing it a little quieter. You don't have to sell it to me. And then you, you're going back in the booth. You're feeling good about giving it another go. Whereas if I'd gone, yeah, that was too that was too loud and it, it's too high for your voice. What Then you, you don't feel good, but mm. I can make you feel good. You go back in the booth, sing it again. I hit the talk back mic. And I'm like, yeah, let's just do one more take. We've got it. We've definitely got it. That was it. That last take. Let's get another one. But let's just do another one. Yeah, that's what these guys do to me as well. Let's just do another one. Yeah. It's what it take 30 seconds.
0: Yeah.
1: And i yeah, no, no, got you. Sometimes I'll someone sung a beautiful vocal and I'm like, that that will do, but I wonder if we can beat it. What I do is I say, I want to double it. Cause you know, a lot of the time mm. when you listen to music, the performers sung it twice or three times and we yeah. stack yeah, yeah, them yeah, yeah. on top. It's kind of like we've cloned oh, yeah. them. Yeah. So I'll say, We've got it, we've got the lead vocal. Can you do me a double? Yeah. And they'll sing along and that's the lead. Because they sing along with this carefree thing of like, I've, I've got na- it, I've yeah. nailed it, and now I'm just having fun. Yeah. And then, well, I, and then I'll say, we've definitely got it now. Just for a laugh, can you do like a really quiet one? And that'll I, be the lead, and that'll then be the lead, and then I'll use the two le- leads that they thought were the lead and the double as background vocals, and then I'll say they'll come through, and I'll be like, our work is done. But then I'll I'll say. Just do me a favor. Just go one more time. And I'm like, who's your celebrity crush? Who is your celebrity crush? Uh, <clears throat> Probably uh, Rosario Dawson. Okay. And I'd be like, go back in, please. We've got, they're going to kick us out in five minutes. We'll go and get some dinner. We've, we've nailed it. But do me a favor go back in and sing to Rosario. And that's the take. Ben? <laughs> So yes, and yes, and yes, yes and and, like positive, positive, positive. Yes. Like I'm taking my dog to RVC, wonderful small animal hospital up, uh, shout out RVC. My dog has chemo every two weeks, right? But they're like, they somehow managed to flip it into a positive of like, we're so pleased to see you and your dog. We love your dog. It's good to see you again. This is what we got planned for the treatment. It's all going well. It's going as well as it possibly can okay. at every point. Like whatever happens to us in life, we say, okay, how can we react? We can't control what happens to us, right? It's how can you of, change cliche, your perception to make it positive? We could go out the studio now and it's raining, but rather than cursing it, it's like, you know, let's call a cab. Or let's get a, go and buy a nice new umbrellas or whatever. Yeah, You choose how you react. Reframe
0: your perspective. Yeah.
1: Yes. And yeah. Ben, aka Mr.
0: Hudson, as a personal fan and someone who's followed your career since I was 18 years old, I just want to say, you know, it was a pleasure. You're that much younger than me. You're doing that to me. No, You're I'm not that, that much younger me. than you. Yeah, you are. You've got the physiology of someone in their 30s. I think that's good. But it, it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you because I, I just put it out there to see what you would you if you'd come on.
1: And I'm you did. game as a pebble.
0: What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold and breathe?
1: You get into ice water, and instead of, like, freaking out, you relax.
0: It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it.
1: I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side.
0: How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method?
1: We can override even death! Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now.
0: Just before we go, we've got a listener question. This time, it's from Charlotte in Stafford, who says, Hi, Dr. Curran. I go through phases in my life where I get lightheaded quite a lot. I can't really seem to work out what it's associated with. Is it to do with low sugar levels, being hungry or thirsty, or can it be something completely different? I'd love to be more informed so I can work out what's making me feel like this. Thank you so much for all the great info you give on your podcast. So Charlotte, thank you very much for this question. And... You know, this is probably quite a common one and hopefully it's relatable to a lot of people listening. So lightheadedness, as you can imagine, you know, the number of potential causes for someone feeling faint, you know, is ridiculously long. Common things are common. So it's worth seeing your doctor to get know ruled out for a number of things thyroid related issues have you got iron deficiency anemia which is probably the most common type of anemia in the world and particularly in women if you're having heavy periods other period related abnormalities again it's very easy to be iron deficient if you're vegetarian or vegan sometimes it can be difficult to get high amounts of iron you know in your diet as well that can cause lightheadedness but even aside from iron deficiency anemia there are other things like pot syndrome postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome which can also be related with lightheadedness and even more simple things like dehydration are you drinking enough water obviously you know most of the human body is made up of water about 70 percent water that's what we're made of so if you're dehydrated naturally your blood flow to your brain may be slightly reduced so you're feeling lightheaded you feel like you want to faint so it's worth ruling out all of these basic things first before actioning anything in that plan so although that may not be a targeted answer that you need it's always worth excluding other simple reversible causes of lightheadedness Charlotte that was a great question hopefully that helped you and hopefully it helps other people as well now in this week Week's extra episode on Crowd Science Extra. I'll also be answering a question from Nathan in Liverpool, who asked about night owl syndrome and whether people with night owl syndrome get less growth hormone release because they sleep later. That'll be an interesting one. If you want to hear the answer to that and loads of other questions, subscribe to the Referral Plus. You also get ad-free listening to all the regular episodes of the show. And just so you don't forget, because I love answering your questions, if you want to get in touch and have your own question featured on the show and me answer it, get in touch via referralpod.com. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you're going to love even more episodes. For even more actionable tips and science-based advice, hit the follow button and obviously give me a five-star review. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Referral. Yes, I am a real doctor, but I'm not your specific doctor, so if you require specific medical advice, please contact your own healthcare provider. And remember, nothing on this show is intended to provide or replace any specific personal medical advice that you'd otherwise receive from your own doctor. This has been a Sony Music Production. Production management was Jen Mystery. videos by Ryan O'Meara, studio engineer was Teddy Riley, mix engineer Matias Torres, music by Josh Carter, Grace Lakewood and Hannah Talbot were the producers, and Gaino Marshall and Chris Skinner are the executive producers.